If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. verses of scripture this is Labor Day weekend this is not just a another three day weekend we have a tendency to celebrate some three day weekends more than others but this weekend does have significance and on this Labor Day weekend I want to share with you a message on the labor of love look at Hebrews chapter 6 beginning at verse 10 <clears throat> For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. Father, we ask for your blessing upon the Word of God today. We thank you for your Word. Lord, that every, every distraction be removed so that we can hear what it is that the Spirit of God wants to say to each and every heart each and every life, each and every soul. We thank you, we praise you, we bless you. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Labor Day weekend was initiated in 1882 by President Grover Cleveland. The weekend was launched to endorse the strength and spirit of trade and labor organizations. Basically, Labor Day is dedicated to the social and economic achievements of the American worker. Whether you're wiring a house or servicing a computer, driving a truck, working for the government, building a semi or flipping fries at Chick-fil-A, you are a contributing citizen of our country. Let me make a few observations about work. Number one, everyone needs to work. Whether it's up in the city, out on the farm, or a caring, stay-at-home mom, everyone needs to work. God despises laziness. John chapter 5 tells us that God the Father and God the Son are always at work on our behalf. Furthermore, throughout Scripture, God speaks out clearly and concisely against slothfulness. And yet, there are lazy people 
in our country. Let's be honest, not all, but much of welfare bogs down due to lazy people. It's like the great coach Lou Holtz once said, when all is said and done, as a rule, more is said than done. Here's a noble thought. Get a job. Pay your taxes and pull your weight as a citizen of this great country. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. The second thing I would share with you is that we need to find the right labor or work. Your niche, your place. You're no worse or no better than others. You just find your place in life and in the workforce. You have to find what suits you, and what suits you doesn't necessarily suit the person that is next to you. Don't be like the weather reporter who lost her job because her weather forecasts were never accurate. And so she went to interview for another position, and she was asked why she left her last job, and her answer was, the climate didn't agree with me. Some of y'all will get that over your fried chicken this afternoon. The third thing I would share with you is that it's important to make sure your balance, that you balance your life between work and life and work and pleasure. Ralph Turnbull Bull said, there is a danger of doing too much work as well as of doing too little. Life is not for work, but work is for life. And when it is carried to the extreme extent of undermining life, or unduly absorbing it, work has not become praiseworthy, but it's become blameworthy. The fourth thing I would tell you is that, uh, is that we, should, we should, when we work, we're, we should plan toward retirement. But honestly, many that make it to retirement, when they have done everything that they should to prepare for it, sometimes there are those that ask, is this retirement really all it's uh, cracked up to be? It, it turns out to be a, a disappointment than what they were expecting. Retirement is not easy for, for everyone. I, I read this. I thought this was great. One woman's definition of retirement is now she has twice the husband at half the salary. <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10 says, Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28 said, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, so that he may give to someone else that is in need. That's what this weekend is all about. It's all about celebrating the labor of the American worker. But this morning, as we celebrate secular labor, I want to share with you that there is a greater labor that far exceeds in weight and value that of secular labor, and it is called the labor of love. Now, I read again in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 3, the wisest man that ever lived asked the question, what profit has a man of all his labor which he takes under the sun? 
as I began to ponder that and I began to think about that, I, I felt the Holy Spirit desire to, to wake us once again to ask the question, in light of eternity, what value does our secular work have here? In light of eternity, what value does the business that you own, what kind of contribution does it give to eternity? You labor for it. You labor to do it. But then and you read the, the wise man and he says that it's all vanity and that there's no profit under the sun. And, 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 and that's again the word of God in the book of Ecclesiastes. But then I, I'm reminded of what the scripture tells us when, when Jesus says we're to set our affections on things above and not on the earth beneath. We are to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moth or dust cannot get to it. In other words, we must live, if we're children of God, we must live daily in this natural world laboring in love for an eternal world that is to come. Listen to the words of your heavenly father today in Isaiah 55 and verse 2. He said, why do you labor for that which satisfies not? Not for secular things, for worldly things. Have you ever known someone who pours so much into their business? But for what when it's all said and done? Does the man on his deathbed, does he ask for more time at the office? Does he ask to, to get more money out of the business that he had when he's lying on his deathbed? Oh no, here's the truth. Oh Lord, pull back the veil of our soul and our spiritual eyes to see that when God created us and he created the soul of man inside of us, he really desires for us to delight in the results of spiritual labor over secular labor. Somebody help me here. He really is interested in that vehicle that he's given you called a job, called a vocation, called a career. Are you going to use it as a vehicle to bring glory and honor to God and to minister to people that you come in contact with. When God created you, there was an innate desire deposited in every, every single one of us that wants to see the results of spiritual labor, that wants to delight in the results of the harvest. Oh, I pray God would stir up some souls this morning to remind you that your secular work is not your purpose in life. God has something greater in store for every single one of us if we will just stop and say, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? My career is not an end, but it's a means to an end. And what is the means? And what is the end? The means is, is that what God has blessed me to do, I'm going to use it to touch other people. I'm going to use it for the glory of God. I'm going to do what I do day in and day out so I can make a difference not only in this world but also in eternity. It's called a labor of love and it's greater than secular labor. We celebrate secular labor one Monday a year. But we should, we should celebrate spiritual labor or the labor of love every day of a believer's life. 
You see, the world, our community, is our harvest field. It's a harvest field. The labor of love happens in the harvest field. Now, for a few moments, let me just share with you some points from Scripture about the labor of love that goes on in the harvest field. When somebody really embraces the labor of God's love and realizes that that is their highest calling, the first thing that they can expect is that God's going to open some doors for them. In 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 19, there's a young man by the name of Elisha. He is the successor to Elijah. Elijah's the fiery prophet. God used Elijah in a mighty way, but Elijah's time on the earth was about to be done. God was getting ready to send a chariot of fire to take him home to glory. And so there was a need for a successor to follow Elijah and continue the work of the Lord. And I read this week in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 19 that Elijah was looking for Elisha. And when he found Elisha, he found Elisha, quote, plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He plowed, found him in the, in the harvest field. He found him breaking up the ground, walking behind 12 smelly oxen and working in the harvest, plowing up so seed could be, could be spread. Boy, I tell you, when I looked at that, I thought, thank God for industry. Thank God for service in the house of God. Thank God for those that work in the harvest fields and, and outside the gates of the city. Thank God for folks in the ministry who don't mind getting their hands dirty. Come on now. Thank God for folks who aren't interested in titles. You think this church and this ministry is run by this personality standing behind this pulpit? I tell you right now, if it wasn't for so many that work behind the scenes, we wouldn't be able to do ministry seven days a week. It takes more than one person. It takes more than a pastoral staff. It takes people that have a heart, that have a love for other people that have a desire and realize that the labor that they put forth and they do it in the name of Jesus is making a difference. That's what makes the church go forward. That's what makes the church uh, accomplish what God has called the church to accomplish. Can I just stop here and say this? I'm still grateful for believers that believe in girding a towel more than they do flaunting a title. Because I'm telling you, when it's all said and done, God could care less about your title. But when you look at the pattern of his only son, his son was the one that girded a towel when nobody else in the room would pick up a towel and wash anyone else's dirty feet. The son of God, the king of glory said, I have come to serve. I have come not to be served, but to serve and to minister to others. That's what the Lord has called every single one of us to do. But I learned many years ago, many years ago, and I've had conversations along this line. People say, how, how, do, you, how do you get into the ministry? How do you get that certificate? How do you get that privilege and opportunity? I can tell you right now, after one of the weeks I've had this week, it's not always a privilege and opportunity. 
It's not always tiptoeing through the tulips, friend, I can tell you. But 10 times out of 10 times, when somebody has said that to me, let me tell you what my response is. My response is, be faithful where you are. Be faithful where you are. Until you have proven yourself faithful in things that you don't get a pat on the back for. Be faithful behind the scenes. Do that in ministry. Do the most menial task that there is. You're doing it in the name of Jesus. You're doing it for the glory of God. I'm telling you, Elisha, he would have loved to probably been doing anything else besides plowing behind 12 smelly yoke of oxen. But that's where the prophet of God found him. And he found him laboring. He found him working. He found him already doing something. He found him pressing on. I'm telling you, there's too many in the body of Christ today that have spiritual dishpan hands but they still want spiritual authority. I'm telling you friend, the best thing you can do is go find your 12 yoke of oxen, find your harvest field and you may very well discover that when you do that, God will open a door and entrust you with greater authority and greater responsibility because he has found you to be faithful to him. You see, Jesus said the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. That's become a coined phrase in the church. But the Lord wants to paint that image vividly upon our mind. Maybe you're a business owner this morning, and you thought your business was for your success or indulgences or your retirement or your yacht or your nice car to pass on to your children. Here's the truth, sir, ma'am. The truth is that that you have labored and poured your blood, sweat, and tears into is nothing more than a vehicle for the greater labor, and that is the labor in God's harvest field. That's the truth. And I have learned, I've had too many business owners come to me and say to me, and I've seen it myself, they have said to me, I have learned that if I take care of God's business first, God will take care of my business. It's a labor of love. It's a labor out of love. It's a labor for love. Jesus said, do not say four months to the harvest. Behold, the fields are they're white and ripened unto harvest now. And so if you, if you labor in love, God will open doors for you. The second thing I noticed from the scripture is that those laboring in the harvest field can look for God's glory to come. There was a piece of furniture in the Old Testament. It was called the Ark of the Covenant. I won't get into a lot of details as to its description, but let's suffice to say that God had it prescribed how he wanted it built. It was built that way. It was to be carried by the priesthood, and it had one purpose, and that was to represent the presence of Jehovah God. But I'm telling you, when the Ark of the Covenant 
was in the enemy's hands, it was always bad news. When it was in among God's people, it, it was a blessing to God's people. But, but there was one time the Philistines got hold of this piece of furniture. And, and they had no business. Having, they were not God's people. They were not chosen by God. They, they were idolaters. And they, they couldn't stand Jehovah God. They had the Ark of the Covenant in their presence. And when they uh, had it in their presence, God struck them with the disease of emeralds. Or maybe we could call it hemorrhoids. A real pain in the backside. They were under the curse. So they sent the ark away. They were hurting. They were in pain. So they said, it's that ark of the covenant. Get it out of our camp. And so they sent it on down the road. Well, in one of God's priestly cities, it was a city called Beth Shemesh. You find this in 1 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 13. There are some Jewish folks that are out there working in the harvest field. And as they are reaping their wheat harvest in the valley, they lifted up their eyes and they saw the Ark of the Covenant coming their direction and they began to rejoice when they saw it. My God, I feel a shout coming on. They began to rejoice because they saw the, that that represented the presence of God was returning to God's people, was returning to God's city. While reaping, they saw the presence of God coming. I'd love to spend about 30 minutes here, but let me just insert two quick things. Number one, you can still reap while you're in the valley. The valley doesn't have to hinder the glory glory of God from coming into your life. Number two, let me share this with you. You will never be too busy in the harvest field that you would miss the glory of God coming your way. In fact, let me drive this point further home. We have people say, oh God, oh pastor, we need revival. Oh pastor, we need, we need an outpouring of God's spirit. We want to see God's glory come down. And I'm telling you, we do everything that we need to do. We need to pray the glory down. Somebody say amen. We need to fast the glory down. Somebody say amen. We need to scripture quote the glory down. We need to praise the glory down. But I'm telling you there is something to be said for those who have done all those things. They've done their praising. They've done their praying. They've done their fasting. They've done their scripture quoting. But I'm telling you they are spending their energies. They're being poor poured out as a drink offering in the harvest field. They're determined not only is prayer going to happen, not only is word going to happen, not only is praise going to happen, but I'm telling you I'm going to work myself as though everything depends upon me. Pray as though everything depends upon God. I'm going to give myself away in the harvest field. And while I'm doing that, I'm believing that the glory of God is going to come into my life and into my family. I'm a strong believer in prayer. But faith without works is dead. And dead faith, you just as well have no faith. <laughs> I thought this many, many times over the years. We pray for God to save our children. 
But when's the last time that you prayed, while I'm praying for God to save my children, God, I want to be an answer to someone else's prayer so you'll save their children. That's good preaching, Pastor. It's a little meddlesome, but it's good preaching. Too many of us are leaving the house of God and minding our own business when we ought to be about the Father's business. Well, Pastor, I'm claiming God's glory over our church. Don't, don't pray for God's glory over the church if you're not even willing to lift a hand to work in the harvest fields. Hmm. So those laboring in the field, they can expect God to open doors for them. And those laboring in the field can, can believe for the glory to come. And, and then the last thing I would share with you is that when you're laboring in the harvest field, when you're doing ministry, you can expect opposition. You can. There'll always be a detractor. There'll always be a distraction. There'll be something that'll come up in the flesh to try to throw you off your course. But the calling of God is without repentance. God has not changed his mind. He has called every single one of you. The time we get back to the place that we minimize bringing people to Jesus and start maximizing bringing Jesus to the people. That's really what we should be doing. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 3, Paul was writing to a New Testament church. This is what he said. He said, I, I remember without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope. Hebrews chapter 6, the scripture we read this morning. It's not types and shadows. There is some symbolism in the book of Hebrews, but this is not one of those verses. God does not forget your labor of love. God knows when you are involved in a labor of love unto others that it is unto his name. Verse 11, the call is universal. Every one of you to show the same diligence. Every one of you. Is it possible? Is it possible that a church, a local church, could have 100% of the believers involved in ministry. Is it possible? Is it commanded? Yes. A resounding yes. Freely you have received You've received the love of God, the greatest treasure in this world you have received. 
And he says, freely give. I like what one guy said. He said, the harvest is not measured by the grain in the barn, but rather the wheat that's still standing in the field. I like this. We need to quit repainting the barn. We need to quit repainting the barn and get to work in the harvest field. What is it you're trying to tell us this morning, preacher? Let me, let me capsulize this. On this weekend that we celebrate labor, secular labor, and the strength of the workforce. Everyone should work. And every believer should be laboring in the harvest field. Everyone. And somebody come up to me last week after service and said, you know what? Whatever you desire, whatever task, how menial it may be, I just want to be active doing something for Jesus. Been a little nostalgic this week. A couple of old songs coming to my spirit. One that really got a hold of me. My house is full, but my fields are empty. Who will go and work? For me today, it seems my children all want to stay around my table. No one wants to work in the field. No one wants to work in the field. This was probably the most formative song in my teenage years. Jesus, use me. And, oh, Lord, don't refuse me. For surely there's a work that I can do. And even though it's humble, Lord, help my will to crumble though the cost be great I'll work for you I don't know preacher do we really have a lot of needs oh you have no idea give me a few town painting party days bus drivers or picking up folks that just want to come to church but have no way to do it 
We're expanding our media when we get in this new building. I was talking with Jeremy the other day. We might could get by with five or six folks. It could take us as many as eight to ten every Sunday. Do you know how many people watch these services on Facebook? Sometimes our views can hit 1,500 and above. They're watching. It's going to be people that are going to be donning cameras. Our Women of Worth Fitness Circuit always need volunteers. Our children's workers. You heard Pastor Lindell last week. What a great, what a great presentation and song last Sunday. Our hearts were touched by our kids. Ushers and greeters, security team, music department and youth department, follow-up ministry. I mean, the list just goes on and on. That's just a handful right there. When my days are done, I want to stand at the judgment seat of Christ knowing that I have fulfilled my calling, that I've done everything that the Lord placed me on this earth to do. Would you just close your eyes? I, I, wanna, I want them to play a song for you this morning.
Would you stand with me this morning? And I do sense in my spirit that God is calling Pulaski Church of God to a whole new level of ministry. And there are some workhorses in this congregation. They've labored for years, decades. And I so, so appreciate their commitment to God and to the church. The ministry must happen from one generation to another and to another. Sometimes the word when it goes forth is for an immediate response. Sometimes the word is to meditate upon. I will reiterate though that when you labor in the harvest field, no matter how menial the task, you set yourself up for a, a new door to open with greater opportunity, potential, authority. I will reiterate today that Sometimes you got to go beyond praying and fasting and scripture quoting and praising. You got to get to work in the harvest field and watch the glory of God come through. I will say that when you determine and make up your mind that you're going to work for God, that what you have been blessed with is not for this life, my God. That it's a means to an end. There will be detractors. But God looks for in His church that labor of love. All over this house, 
you feel so inclined, would you just lift both hands to the Lord and say, Lord, use me? Would you just do that right now, Father? I lift my hands to you, these hands that worship you, these hands that praise you, these hands that are, are like the, a child running to his father saying, pick me up all these times I lift my hands to you today. Today I lift these hands. This moment I lift these hands to say, I surrender to you. I surrender to you. Whatever you want me to do. I want you to speak to me. I want you to direct me. I want you to guide me. I want you to open the door that you want me to walk through. Not just on Sunday, but every day of the week. God, this, this job I have, this career that I have, this business that I have, Lord, you have awakened me to the reality today that what I have been granted is not for this life primarily, but to make a difference in eternity that is to come. I will be listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Speak through your word. Speak through my pastor. Speak through another person. Speak through a still small voice. Direct me and guide me. I want to be fruitful for you. lifted one more time let's pray mighty father Lord we thank you God we thank you that out of everything else and out of everyone else God you chose us we thank you Lord that though we don't deserve it you place your hand upon us and you allow us to bring people to you. I pray, God, you give us the courage to be obedient to you when we leave these four walls, to hear your voice, to run, God, to your instruction. And to simply be a light in dark places. Simply be love to people that was once like we are. Once like we were, God. In your name, Jesus. In your name, we pray. In your name, we believe. Amen.